Hey everybody, today our guest is David Beckett. David is an expert at pitching, and today we're going to speak all about uh, you know, what are the biggest mistakes people make when doing the pitch, why is it so important to have a good pitch, um, you know, and the differences between pitching to investors and to clients and partners. So it's really in-depth, get you a lot of really good uh, actionable insights that you could take and, and work on your pitch uh, for your startup. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode with David. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Before we get started with today's episode with David, uh, if you're an early stage startup and you're having problems with getting more conversations, you know, getting the clients to actually engage with you via your outbound or even if you have a good inbound uh, leads coming in, but they're still not picking up the phone, then give us a reach out. Uh, we're happy to help. Uh, this is one of the things that we do in our boot camp is help you convert those clients and get those conversations. Uh, just just getting them to engage with you is uh, one of the most important parts, and then you could start working on your sales funnel from there. So if you need help with that, feel free to reach out to us at startupsales.io. That's startupsales.io. Otherwise, let's get to today's episode with David. All right, David, thanks for uh, joining us today. I'm delighted to be here. So can you, uh, can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what your expertise is? Sure. So I'm David Beckett. I'm a pitch coach. And I love to help people get their stories out there. And uh, often that is uh, early stage uh, startups. Uh, actually, that's how I started learning how to uh, pitch coach. I've, I've coached over 950 startups and then gradually also applied the tools I learned by coaching startups to larger companies because a lot of the tools are, are the same. A lot of the needs are the same. Everybody's under time pressure and I help people tell their story under time pressure. So are you helping people with like pitching for investors or pitching for sales? What, where? Yeah, for startups, it's mostly uh, pitching for investment. I'm also helping uh, next stage startups when they're focusing more on the sales side. And uh, I've also gone in different industries in the tourism industry, for example, and uh, the cruise line industry. Uh, there's, there's various uh, kind of uh, aspects of this, but it, it's all started with startup pitches. Interesting. So what's the difference between like uh, pitching for, for fundraising and pitching for sales? Well, I've got a tool called the Pitch Canvas, which I use for startups. Um, it's uh, uh, 11 pieces of content, and it's, it's used as a brainstorming tool. And the blocks start with uh, a simple statement. What's the change you're bringing? So that applies for both. What's the problem you solve? I think that applies for both. Then, uh, of course, the product. Is there a demo? Are you going to demo the product? Again, this applies for both. And what's unique? And then who's already buying? So that there's trust, there's belief. Then you get into areas which are perhaps different for startups. What's the business model, for example? I think for customers, they're not so interested in business models. They may be interested in pricing or the contract length, these kind of things. Um, but the business model for startups would be about what's the mechanism for earning money and uh, what's the opportunity for scaling. Then you come into things like, what's the investment we're looking for? I think when you're pitching to customers, 
It's more like what's the next step and what would be our, our next step along the line to you going for the contract. And then the team is really important for startups. Uh, investors want to know the individuals, what their character is, what their experience is. I think customers are more interested, like what collective skills have you got as a company? And then finally, a wrap up, clear call to action. And why you? Why do you think this is a great proposition? So there's a lot of overlap, but there's some very specific things for sales, which I think are, are different. That last step is really interesting. Why, if I'm pitching you, yeah. why is it important for me to say why it's important? Why I think it's a good idea? Yeah. So I've interviewed many people. Um, just and I say interviewed. Like I go to a demo day, for example. There's ten pitches, and there are investors. There's board members. There's people who sit in pitch uh, competition juries, and I ask them. Which pitch did you like? Which pitch didn't you like? What did you like most? What did you miss most? What was it that caught your attention? And I've gone through that process in all kinds of situations, network events, yeah, with hundreds of people. And they all come down to the same thing. It doesn't matter the industry or investors or board members. And, and there's two things they're looking for. One is the rational stuff. So what's the problem you're solving? How big's the market? What have you achieved so far? What do you need to make this happen? But then there's the other side of it, which is the non-rational stuff. So why does this, so the first thing is make the problem human. Why do people actually care about this? But especially why is the team, what's the personal aspect about these people? Who are these people? Why are they driven to make this happen? But most of all, why you? And every investor says, I want to see the enthusiasm and the passion in the eyes of the entrepreneur. And if you're not enthusiastic, why should I be? And you can see it. You know, I'm, I'm coaching some teams, six teams on a program right now. And you can see the difference. If somebody is finding it difficult to explain why they're doing something, it's more like they saw an opportunity and they've developed something. But the people who this, they live and breathe this stuff, they have no problem with expressing why they love doing it, why it matters to them and so on. So that element is the thing that takes people over the line. When you're in doubt, that personal enthusiasm, why you, can be something that takes people to the next step. Say, hey, let's go for this. I definitely could see the value for the investors to see that because you need it's a it's a long road to have a startup and you need to have that enthusiasm to exactly. keep you up when it gets when it gets dark. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost de-risking, I think. It's it, because yeah. they know that if you're personally engaged in it, uh then you you will you will stay in for the long run. And people often ask me, yeah, well how do I express that? And there's a couple of things that people can do to get to why you. So one of the simplest things is just to go away from the business for half an hour or something and ask yourself, why did I start this? What was the reason? What's the real reason? I didn't start to create a platform. I started to solve something. I, I experienced the problem or somebody I know experienced that problem. Or maybe the drive is I just want to create an amazing company where people love to come to work. That's also valid. So I think people need to take a bit of time to do that. If that, they struggle with that, Things like Start With Why from Simon Sinek is really useful. And the other thing is a process of uh, the five whys. You can look it up on, on Wikipedia. Um, trying to get to grips with what's really the essence of why you started this. And don't be afraid to put that in the pitch. So th this is something that people find a bit difficult. But if they follow this kind of path, they can get closer to that story. 
I think it's it's very useful, not in just in fundraising, but also when you know your why and you have that passion and it comes through in your voice and your tonality when you're speaking Definitely. with the prospects and they're going to buy in and they're going to have a lot more confidence in you because they feel your confidence. Absolutely. And I think it's a combination of confidence and especially certainty. You know, if you look at um, some of the, the best entrepreneurs in the world, Elon Musk or uh, Debatable, where anyway, he's achieved a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, at times, a bit nuts, but okay. Um, but achieving a lot. Uh, Richard Branson, an amazing entrepreneur. These people are not the best speakers, but they're very certain. So they they don't speak in a typical glossy way. They create glossy presentations, but their way of talking is not necessarily very polished. But they are absolutely certain. You believe every word that they say. They, they're totally committed to what they say. So they, they know why they're doing stuff. And I think for uh, startups, you know, quite often people say to me, well, why, why is it important why I'm there? But it, it's always about the audience. If they want that, then, then letting that come through and identifying why is it, that, that's really valuable, I think. I think it's uh, also when you have your team uh, your sales team understanding the why and believing that and it's that's more what aligned with culture is understanding the why and everything as well but when you're pitching a, a lot of times uh, the founders come to me and ask like well how can i should i start with like the big enterprise companies now because we don't have any clients we're early stage startup and i tell them exactly like what you're saying is if you speak with that confidence they'll have the confidence in you and yes. that's what's important not how many clients you have right now yeah. But what I've learned is to, to try to develop that. You know, what, what I've done over the six and a half years, I've been giving a workshop and doing one-to-one -one coaching um, with all kinds of accelerators of uh, startups and programs and pitch competitions and so on. So I've done my workshop over 700 times. And what I'm constantly looking for is what helps people get closer to the story they want to tell. And what I learned is that when people focus, for example, on things like performance or only voice or only body language and throw some slides together, it never really works. The starting point is to get the story straight and get a story that you absolutely stand behind. Now, that doesn't mean that everything needs to be perfect. Of course, you know, when you're presenting a startup idea, it, things aren't perfect. There's, there are imperfections. But focusing on the stuff that you've achieved, what you're working on, what you're learning, and and building that story so that you stand behind every word, I think it's the starting point of uh, of every great pitch. Yeah, go go with what you're what you have, and absolutely what your positives are not trying to sell something that you don't you're not really believing in yourself. Exactly. All right, and what's the biggest mistake that people are making when they're when they're going to pitch? Well, I think this, it, it's all in the preparation. The biggest mistake uh, that happens is that people think, I've got a pitch, let's open PowerPoint and start making some slides. And I've got some slides anyway. I've sort of got a deck, so probably I'll be able to adapt it to this uh, situation. And my advice is always to go away from the software and, and use some, some manual analog tools to get the story straight. So the, the, the three big things that I recommend to get started is be clear on who's the audience and make a little profile. You know, what's on their mind? What are their objections? What do they care about? Are they looking for growth? Are they looking for cost cut? Are they looking to save time if it's customers? And of course, investors, they're looking for certain elements of market size and uh, opportunity and so on. Uh, so get into the mind of the audience. 
And the second thing is, what's the objective? So quite often startups say to me, well, I want them to invest 300,000. But the first next step would be a one hour meeting with the investor. So have the big goal, but be clear on what's the first next step after that pitch. So once you get the audience and the objective in your mind, that steers what you're going to say. So it doesn't take long, just needs five minutes, 10 minutes, just to sit down and write that stuff down. Then rather than going straight into the deck at that moment, I recommend to get post-its out. And uh, as I said, the pitch canvas is a pretty good tool to get started with and start brainstorming on what are all the things we could say to these people? What's the problem we're solving? Solution we created? What's unique about it? Who's buying already? All these things. And as an individual or as a team, get all those ideas out and take a look at them. And that's that's the, the path towards getting your story straight, Getting taking all the thoughts that are bouncing around in your head and getting them out, take a look at them, and then organize them. And that's almost impossible in PowerPoint. In fact, I would say it's impossible. Power, our brains don't work the way that PowerPoint does. Our <laughs> brains don't work like slide two, bullet point one. Our brains go, oh, we should talk about this. Oh, but hang on a minute. We should, oh, and last week, such and such, you know, these things, are, our brains work randomly. But we need to finally organize those random thoughts into a storyline. And PowerPoint is not the tool. PowerPoint is the tool to use after we've got the story straight. So the, the biggest mistake I think people make is just jumping into the slides. And the second biggest thing I really recommend people to do is verbalize things, say things out loud. So when you work on slides, you think it through. And in your head, it sounds fantastic. But it's kind of pitching karaoke. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you, you think this song will sound fantastic. <laughs> And then you start seeing and you think, oh, no, this is a big mistake. And uh, I worked in a Japanese company, by the way. So I've had that experience to my <laughs> yeah, it's a personal experience. So when people are pitching, they need to make sure that they said stuff out loud, especially the opening and the closing, which are the most likely bits that are a bit different and adapted to the audience. So first thing, don't go straight into the slides. Get some post-its out. Use the pitch canvas. Get your ideas out of your head. And secondly, verbalize everything. Say it out loud, and that will help you find the words that you really want to say. It takes it from written language into spoken language, and, and you'll feel more confident once you're, you're pitching. I, I love that. And I love that, you know, I see so many times founders are just working so much on slides and have everything on slides. It's like, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm reading your slides. You don't need to read it to me. I've got two pairs of eyes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the basic fundamental is that people can't read and listen at the same time. And I think PowerPoint, it, unfortunately, is a driver because it's impossible to start typing text without a bullet point turning up. Every single template has got bullet points built in. So the natural tendency is to look around and see what other people do and start typing. But the problem is people can't read and listen at the same time. So slides should be more visual with keywords help you follow the story, help them follow the story. Now, people tell me, well, uh, I need to send the slides afterwards. Well, then I recommend to make two versions, one to present and one to send. And the one to present should be very light, icon and image-driven, keywords, big headlines, big statements, very little numbers. And the one to send, that's totally the opposite. Give them all the detail you've got because the reason they're asking you, you know, if you do a three-minute pitch with that, limited amount of information 
and they say, hey, great pitch, send me your deck. They're saying, please send me detail. So then send them a one pager with an overview and the investor deck with plenty of information. So separating out one to present, one to send really solves that problem. Yeah, and then it covers that objective, that uh, the same objective, yes. but in a much better way. Absolutely. I think I think the most powerful thing for me, anyways, that you just said, is you know to focus on the next steps, not focus on the end goal. Uh, yeah. You know, don't focus on and build your pitch to to get them to close the <laughs> fundraising round now. Get no. that next meeting, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh it, it, I mean, it's classic funnel selling, and I'm not an absolute specialist in that area. But in terms of of the process you go through, actually, I'm I'm in this process right now. I'm, I actually entered my my company with scaling the business. I entered for a pitch competition and I won. And we're now discussing with investors and, and understanding more deeply what the questions. I've, I've sort of been through that process myself in various stages together with startups, but now it's really face to face. And what you realize is that this is a marathon. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a triathlon. It, it is not a sprint. And uh, sometimes startups say, yeah, next week I've got this meeting with this investor. But when I speak to fun- startups that have been funded, about the average of number of meetings is, is close to 50. And that's pretty shocking. People get really discouraged by that. But that means that they meet an investor, they find out it doesn't match. They think it matches, then it doesn't. They have another investor they think it's a perfect match. They're not interested. But you keep learning. Every time you have a meeting with these people, you keep learning. What are they interested in? And eventually, you find a way to match what you're pitching to what they're really interested in. But sometimes it can take a lot of meetings. Now, of course, it can go quicker. But a pitch doesn't get you the investment. A pitch gets you in the path down towards that investment. No pitch, no path. But with the pit, with a great pitch, you, you open the door a bit wider than than you would do, or even open the door in the first place. It's kind of like fishing. Yeah, all you're wanting yeah. to do is get them on the hook. Absolutely, just to get them in, get them engaged with you. Not answer all the questions in the pitch. Don't jam it with big detail. Leave them with some open-ended questions, so they come to you and say, "Hey, great pitch, but I, I didn't quite understand such and such. What is it about that?" And then you're in a conversation. Then it's job done because they're showing interest just because they say I didn't understand doesn't mean oh no I didn't do my job in the pitch it means I'm interested I, I want to know more but that's yeah. that's really job done it should be a teaser not a not a full-blown pitch yeah yeah and we overestimate how much people listen we overestimate how much people understand and how much they remember you know we think it's all 100 100 100 but the max that people listen really today is 70 80 percent even to ted talks and uh, and then understanding is about the same number so 70 percent of 70 percent is less than half and what they remember is three to four things so the whole feel of the pitch needs to be professional solid but on the other hand removing details you don't risk anything because they won't remember and understand everything anyway so Removing some details gives clarity on the most important stuff. That's why I'm a big fan of the power of three, for example. Simple but very important mindset to keep things focused down to the important stuff. What was that, the pair of three? The, the power of three. Oh, you know, it's, three. It, it's one of the oldest. You know, it's, it's a tricky one because sometimes, you know, my company is called Best Three Minutes, and I'm a big fan of the power of three. Keep, keep things down to the essence of the story. 
But people say, yeah, but that's a cliche. The fact is, though, that any time someone says, you know, there's many things I could tell you, but there's three things you really need to remember. Here's the first. People are absolutely that you have a massive chance that almost everybody is listening. And when you come to the second one, their attention will go back up. And when you said, and the third and most important is, and again, their attention peaks again. And whether we like that or we think it's a cliche or what, it, it just, it, it's a way of, of keeping people's attention. Um, and what it does is instead of saying, you know, well, there's 11 things we want to tell about our product. There's no chance anybody's going to listen to that. If you say it was so many things I could tell you, but we just narrowed down to the three things that really matter for you. The, the audience's brain says, oh, thank goodness for that. I thought this was complicated, <laughs> but three are oh, fabulous. You mean you've simplified it for me? Oh, well, give me the three. I can handle that. That happens in yeah. a heartbeat as soon as you say, you know, there's this many. Of course, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four. But the goal is to just not overload people with information, information, information. I've heard that. Um, I can't remember where I heard, heard it, but it's better to have things in odd numbers. Because you said power three, and sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four. But when I heard that, it's like, well, no, I've got to keep it odd. I must say, if I go for more than three, if I have a longer talk, I try try to go for five, and uh, that 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 normally is is my goal. I, you know, I there there is a magic in odd numbers, and, and can't quite work out. You know, if you look at blogs all over the web, it's seven reasons, thirteen. Uh, things to follow, uh, t 17 things you didn't know. You know, it, it, there's, there, there is something in odd numbers, but the three, there is something about our brains that likes three-part stories. Uh, somebody said to me, it's the smallest number with complexity. So it's, hmm. it's enough to feel like a little bit of depth, but not too much to confuse me. So I think the three is a, is a really good one. And, you know, it's a 25 century old piece of, of rhetoric it's the it's the art of of speaking in public um you know it's it's, it's come from uh, from greek times jfk used it i was just looking at his uh, man on the moon speech yesterday i'm using it in a keynote tomorrow and you know it's it's power three we do this because we do this because we do this because it's uh yeah it just works that's interesting yeah all right. So on, on that note, then, what are the three biggest <laughs> uh, biggest tips that you could give a founder uh, that's going out there and beginning to pitch? Yeah. So um, as, let's put aside the, th the things that I've mentioned, which is get clear on the audience, get clear on the objective and brainstorm rather than put your thoughts into, po into PowerPoint. And don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean don't make slides. It means get the story straight and then create your slides and you just focus on the storyline. But I think there's various other things to take into account. Um, so if you look at the uh, the things that really uh, make a difference in a pitch, the, the start of the, the pitch is, is a massive influence on how much people listen. So what you see in some pitch competitions, people arrive and they say, and they, it comes to their turn, they say, well, uh, yeah, well, thanks very much. And uh, great that it's my turn now. And I'm delighted to be here in this wonderful place. And thanks to the organizers for giving us opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And Everybody's suddenly, asleep. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly you've lost 10, 15 seconds. And the problem is you've got, well, there's various theories. I think when people are focused to listen, you've got about 15 to 20 seconds to trigger them on is it professional? Do I want or need to know more? And being professional will actually cause people to want to listen more 
because when you're professional and organized, and professional means have a plan from the first word. So instead of, hi, I'm delighted to be here, thanks so much, blah, 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 get them straight into the story. You know, 90% of people want advice online, but did you know that only 1% of all advice is delivered online? We're the solution to that gap, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. So giving people something right from the first minute. Um, and uh, another thing that people, one of the mistakes people make sometimes in the opening is to give a long personal story before they've told what they're doing. So there's no harm in giving a personal story about how did you create this? Why does it matter to you? But I would always frame that by saying, hi, this is who we are. This is what we do. And then three years ago, I was walking down the street, blah, blah, blah. Um, If you start with three years ago, I was walking down the street and this happened, people are wondering, yeah, okay, but what are you doing? What are you doing to solve it? And you frame it with kind of a basic of, a bookend this is who we are this is what we do and then tell them why it matters that can be another way but what's most important is not necessarily to do it in a certain way simply to have a plan from the first uh from the first moment the same goes for the law for the closing a lot of pitches finish with a kind of uh well this is my last slide so yeah i, I guess i'm done so uh yeah unless there's any questions and <clears throat> you want to have energy to the last full stop be a professional to the last full stop. That means having a plan for those last 30 seconds. So if it's a three-minute pitch, I would normally close with something that along the lines of, so what you've seen is a three-point summary in one sentence. So it's a, it's a multi-billion problem. We've created a unique solution that's already succeeding. We've got an amazing team to make it happen. That would be the three-point one-sentence summary. Then remind them of the call to action. What we'd love to do is talk to you after the pitch. Let's arrange a one-hour meeting to discuss investment opportunities. And then a final statement. I believe this, if we get this right, it's going to solve one of the biggest problems that people face. It's going to save them time and money, and it would make me incredibly happy if we do that. And something like that. So three-point summary, one sentence, call to action, and then a final statement from yourself. That's one way to do it. There's many ways to close it. it. It doesn't have to be like that. But once again, it's about making a plan and then finishing with a big fat thank you so that they know they're supposed to clap. Thank you means I've finished. You can clap now. Yeah. So that's the second thing. So it's opening and closing. And the third thing is uh, talking about the product. Now, this sounds a bit of a it's really challenging for tech entrepreneurs because, of course, and I'm sort of one myself. What happens is you work on something. When you're working on something and someone says, what do you do? You talk about what you're working on. And what you're working on is a platform, a set of APIs, uh, uh, the, you know, an AI-based uh, blah, blah, blah. And the, the key is to get to the heart of the problem, the problem you're solving, the pain that you fix, and to make that pain as human as possible. So not, you know, we help people take their, take their three data systems and put it into one. Okay, is that good? We don't know. But if, you, if you're saving time, money, frustration, you know, here's John. He goes to work every day and every day he spends two hours messing around with this data, that data. This software just doesn't work for him and it drives him nuts. That's, that's the problem that, that you're trying to fix. And, and there's thousands and thousands of Johns all over the world. In fact, there's X million. So I think trying to make, the, make clear what the pain is and making it human so that people get it, they understand it, they associate with it. And uh, I got a really good example. Um, I started 
learning how to do this at an accelerator uh, called Startup Bootcamp. They're in Amsterdam. They're in a lot of cities around the world now. And the founder, Patrick Dezeo, one of the founders, in the first couple of programs, he uh, was training the, the startups. And I sat in on all of those meetings. It was the way I learned how to do this job. He's an amazing person. And one of the things he said about the pain is stick the fork in the thigh and twist it so that people feel the pain. It's like, it's it's time, it's money, it's frustration. It happened again and again. And by the end of this, I was just up to here. So that they're like, oh my goodness, please tell me a solution for this. Now, of course, in a short pitch, you've got a limit to what you can do. But if you're going to spend any time, a bit more time on anything, making sure that they get the pain is, is probably the most important part. So strong opening, strong closing, and be clear on the pain and the human aspect of that, what it actually means for people. I noticed that you, when you talked about the pain, you automatically went into a story mode. David did this, or John yeah. did this and felt this, instead of, hey, here's what we do. Exactly that. So I, I used to do, I don't do it now so much now, but it's, I've, I've done in the past an exercise where you have one person pitching and the other people in the workshop standing in a line in front of them. And the person pitches, and every time they say, every time somebody in the audience is listening, they hear something that they find interesting, they take a step forward. If they find something uninteresting, they take a step back. So you've got one person standing, a line of people, and they're moving forward or backwards, depending on if they like it, if they're interested, if they're not interested, if they find it boring, they find it uh, uh, eye-catching or memorable. And it's really uh, brutal. <laughs> it's a physical representation of what works and what doesn't. It's one of the reasons I stopped, because it's too, it's too confronting, actually. But some things I observed, for example, saying, we've created a platform, every single person steps backwards. So what do you do? We've created a platform. Boom, one step backwards. We use APIs, open APIs to step backwards. It, 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 you know, we, we are, we've been working on uh, an app which uh, connects to a desktop uh, application three steps backwards. And, you know, it's, it's not to disrespect people's work. It's to understand that the audience are only interested in the outcome. What does it do for people? And here we are working day in, day out, night and day on the stuff, but they're only interested in the outcome. And uh, whether we like it or not, if we want to get into their heads, that's the thing to focus on. It's what they are interested in. Wow. A lot to digest. David, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I think there is so much value here. How can people reach out to you or get more information about your, your programs and working with you? So my website is best3minutes.com. It's the number three, so best3minutes.com. And there's actually a best3minutes.com slash free uh, uh, page. There's a, there's a bunch of free tools. There's the Pitch Canvas. I have a free app with, with just some content on it. Um, it's uh, some videos explaining the Pitch Canvas, uh, some example pitches, and a few other bits and pieces. Uh, so that's all there. And... Uh, uh, that's the best place to get hold of me. And if anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'd be delighted to connect with them. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. 